So hello everybody and welcome to UCOPE's Sounds of Science, a series of podcasts hosted by UCOPE, a European trade body representing small and mid-sized companies active in health technologies. My name is Leon de Franke, Policy Officer at UCOPE, as well as your host on today's episode. Before moving forward, we'd like to kindly ask you to click on the subscribe button for our podcasts and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn to stay up to date on all of the latest news and initiatives within the world of European life sciences. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the EU's medical devices regulation that came into full effect in May 2021 and was later followed by the in vitro diagnostic device regulations in 2022. Basically, in Europe, the medical devices regulation governs the production and distribution of medical devices, while the in vitro regulation governs the sales and productions of in vitro diagnostic medical devices. Essentially, the, uh, the idea of both regulations is really to harmonize the regulatory review and approval processes of medical and diagnostic devices all across Europe, basically harmonizing uh, the European market for medical devices. And here at UCOPE, we are, of course, always uh, very much in support of improving regulatory efficiency, and especially in relation to, uh, to safety. However, the implementation of both the medical device regulation, or MDR as it is uh, abbreviated, and the in vitro diagnostic regulation, or IVDR, have been causing quite some problems lately to several stakeholders, also including UCOPE, uh, but also other associations and uh, national and EU-level policymakers uh, have warned that both the MDR and IVDR could lead to severe shortages of medical de uh, devices and medical tests in Europe. And these are really key to prevent, but also uh, diagnose and, uh, and treat uh, severe diseases. So what seems to be the problem? Well, following both regulations, all medical and diagnostic devices produced in Europe must be recertified to remain available on the EU market. Now, recertification or conformity assessment needs to be done by these so-called notified bodies. These are basically organizations uh, designated by EU member states to assess the conformity of the products with the new requirements of the MDR or the IVDR. The problem, at least uh, up until recently, was that most medical devices and tests could not get certification on time. With the old certificates issued under the previous directives, uh, they are expiring by May 2024, or at least they used to expire by May 2024, and there was simply no time to get your product certified. Now, in light of all this, and after continued work of also involved stakeholders, the Commission has eventually proposed to amend the MDR and IVDR, introducing also new deadlines for transitioning. In short, it gives these notified bodies, but also manufacturers, more time to certify. And there is also other measures, of course, introduced, such as eliminating the sell-off date, uh, but we'll get into that uh, later on. Perhaps it's also good to mention that this new regulation will come into full effect in March 2023. So there are also other measures introduced, as I mentioned, such as the sell-off date, uh, but uh, we'll touch upon that uh, later on. So um, still, as you cope, we'll continue to uh, we'll, we'll continue the discussion on the remaining problems of the implementing of the implementation of both regulations. So therefore, uh, in today's podcast, uh, we'll talk you through some of the problems of MDR and IVDR implementation, and also discuss the new amendments. So it's also very relevant because at the end, whether there is an extension or not, um, the provisions of both MDR and IVDR still need to be implemented. 
So to help us break it all down, we're joined by two UCOP members, both active in the space of medical and diagnostic devices, and we also have an expert on board. So today we're joined by Jörg Plessel, Head of Global Regulatory Affairs at Norgen. And uh, Jörg has been dealing with uh, the troublesome MDR implementation uh, since uh, the very beginning, I would say. And also joining us from the West Coast today is uh, Megan Doyle, Director Global Regulatory and Research and Development Policy at Emgen. And next to the MDR, Megan can uh, can tell us all about the IVDR uh, and its impact on the development of, uh, of innovative medicines. And we're also joined by our own Axel Korth, uh, Senior Legal and Regulatory Affairs Advisor here at UCOPE, who will elaborate uh, a bit on the regulatory aspects uh, of the new regulation. So um, welcome, everybody. And um, Jörg, let's jump uh, right in. We both represent uh, UCOPE as a stakeholder uh, within the Medical Device Coordination Group or MGCG. And I always love how these uh, beautiful names that the, that the commission gives to their working groups. But uh, in essence, the MGCG deals with uh, key issues from the medical device sector in order to provide uh, advice and guidance. And it's a, it's a working group and its members uh, consist of EU member state representatives, uh, as well as, uh, as stakeholders from, uh, from other European-based associations. And it's chaired by the European Commission. Now, you have underlined the problem uh, of the limited notified body capacity uh, for quite some time now. Now, um, And what's exactly, what exactly seems to be the problem? Are there too few notified bodies or is access too limited or is, is assessment too slow or too complex maybe? What seems to be um, the issue here? Well, first of all, thanks a lot, Leander, for having me here today. Very quickly summarize the main issues. There are currently only... 38 notified bodies with still over 20,000 certificates that need to be transferred from the Medical Device Directive, the MDD, to the MDR. The limited notified body capacity can cause delays in the conformity assessment, which you mentioned earlier. Um, and this consequently will also lead to delays for medical device companies to obtain CE marking under the MDR for their products. This has now been recognized by all interested parties and both non-legislative and legislative measures have been undertaken. And we'll cover both of these measures um, later on in the podcast. Yeah, indeed, the limited notified body capacity and the delayed conformity assessment causing the delays. I Indeed, I also saw, some, as you mentioned, a staggering number indeed of still uh, 20,000 certificates that need to be transferred with the... Uh, only 30, 38 notified bodies. And uh, at UCO, we also uh, con uh, conducted a survey together with one of our national members, Franz Biotech, which uh, was all about the impact of MDR transitioning on, uh, on small and mid-sized uh, medical device companies. Uh, yeah, some of the results show that uh, more than 30% of the participants were turned down uh, by uh, one, of, uh, one of the notified or one or more of the notified bodies. And they were not taking in any new uh, customers due to MDR workload. And also more than half of the participants believe that MDR has complicated the dialogue with notified bodies as it creates yeah, unnecessary delays. And uh, so what should notified bodies uh, do in order to increase their capacity? And also uh, what can be done to enhance the preparedness for the manufacturers themselves? Yeah, thank you, Leander. Good question. It's important to us to recognize the efforts that have already been undertaken by the legislators, including an MDCG guidance, which is called the MDCG 2022-14, 20, 
this guidance has been published in August 2022, and it covers the topic we're discussing here, the transition to the MDR and IVDR and notified body capacity and consequently the availability of medical devices in IVDs. This guidance falls under the non-legislative measures that I had mentioned earlier in the introduction. To pick out a, the key topics for UCOPE, the first one um, is to avoid duplications. What, what is meant by that? Notified bodies should develop a framework for leveraging evidence from previous assessment conducted under the MDD. So basically putting the right focus on new and change requirements under the MDR. Furthermore, new guidance of which we had quite a lot over the past um, years, this new guidance should not apply to ongoing processes or applications that have already been launched by a conformity assessment body unless such guidance yields increased efficiency of the process. The second big topic is getting access to the notified bodies. And, and you quoted the, the survey earlier. And in particular, access to notified bodies for SMEs, which are close to, the, to our heart here at UCOPE. Notified bodies should develop schemes to allocate capacity for SMEs and manufacturers that are first-time participants in this conformity assessment procedures to ensure that um, they can get their products certified. Furthermore, together with the manufacturers, notified bodies should organize pre-application structured dialogues in order to enhance the efficiency and predictability of the conformity assessment process. And of course, such dialogues should not be considered consultancy services. As the last point, the legislative measures. UCOP applauds the legislators for amending the regulation and extending the MDR transitional provisions to either 2027 or 2028, depending on the risk class of the product in question. This is necessary to avoid the risk of shortages of critical medical devices um, following um, the MDR coming into force. I believe that Axel will cover the legislative measures in more detail a bit later, so um, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Thanks, Jörg. Thank you. Uh, and as mentioned before, we represent UCOP uh, within the uh, Medical Device Coordination Group. Uh, and uh, we also represent uh, our medical devices membership, but also engage with the Commission and Member States on MDR implementation. Uh, as the Commission said themselves, the, the extension that you mentioned uh, of the MDR implementation date has also largely been realized due to this continued concerns that has been expressed uh, by the stakeholders uh, in, in, uh, within the, M within the uh, MGCG. Could you elaborate a bit on our work that we've been doing uh, within the MGCG uh, working group? Of course, my pleasure. So UCOPE participates within the MGCG meetings that are organized and chaired by the European Commission. Mm -hmm. um, UCOPE is represented in several MGCG working groups, and namely the Borderline and Classification Working Group, the UDAMED Working group, UDAMED is the new European medical device database, which has been put in place as part of the MDR, the new technologies working group, and last but not least, the unique device identifier working group, or shortly the UDI working group. Furthermore, we have also been participating in, in wider meetings between the MDCG and stakeholders, with the next one coming up shortly after Easter on 14th of April. UCOP has presented concerns on MDR implementation during several of these meetings, including interventions and presentations. UCOP has also endorsed and proposed amendments to several 
of those guidelines or guidances that MDCG has published. And last but not at all least, I would like to take the opportunity to thank everyone in both the UCOP membership and the Secretariat for the input and engagement on these topics. Yeah, thank you, Jörg. I think it's also a recognition for all the work that we've put into this, uh, also realizing the uh, the extension now. And yeah, we've also uh, endorsed and proposed amendments to the MG MDCG uh, position paper. Uh, and we continue to represent, of course, uh, our membership within uh, this coordination group. Uh, but moving away uh, from the MDR for the time being, uh, Megan, uh, as a biotechnology company, Emgen uh, is also closely involved in the development and production of, of innovative uh, personalized medicines, which of course also involve the use of in vitro diagnostic devices. Uh, can you tell us how the transition to the in vitro diagnostic regulation uh, is really uh, impacting the development of innovative medicines? Sure, and thank you so much for having me here, Leander. Really lovely to be here with you all today. So. The implementation of the IVDR is having a critical impact on clinical research in Europe, particularly for innovative, personalized medicines. And this is because the IVDR compliance dates have not been extended for new diagnostics under development or that are used in clinical trials. Rather, compliance with the IVDR has been required for those diagnostics since May of 2022. So as noted in a recent public webinar that was hosted by the patient organization Longevity, the IVDR implementation is leading to delays in clinical trials and in European patient access to clinical trials. And this is particularly true for studies of novel targeted agents for cancer, which rely on diagnostic testing to enroll patients into the trial. Uh, industry data that was recently gathered by FPA note that 82 to 160 clinical trials are currently delayed, with 6 to 12 months being the most commonly reported length of delay. And over the next three years, as many as 238 to 420 clinical trials may be delayed, impacting 34,000 to 42,000 patients. And as many as 89 therapies could face delayed launch in Europe, including medicines for cancer and rare diseases. In fact, actually, a majority of respondents in this industry survey indicated that their companies would consider reducing the number of clinical trial sites in the EU, EU excuse me, and potentially moving these studies outside of Europe if the IBDR requirements remain the same. And this follows the UCOPE survey that I think you mentioned just a few minutes earlier about the impact of the MDR, in which 38% of respondents noted that the new device regulations in the EU are pushing their companies to consider moving clinical trials outside of the EU. 58% of those respondents said that the device regulations are forcing EU companies to relocate strategic teams and resources outside of Europe and investors to redirect investment outside of Europe. So these data show that the IVDR and the MDR are both negatively impacting access to clinical research in Europe and ultimately may lead sponsors to conduct their studies elsewhere. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, thank you, Megan. Um, you mentioned some of the data from uh, from our UCOP survey that both uh, the MDR and IVDR are negatively impacting access to uh, to clinical research in Europe and may even lead to sponsors uh, going somewhere else. Um, why is this? Why, why do you think this is happening? Yeah, great question. So. As I mentioned, as of May 2022, the IVDR requirements are in effect for diagnostics and clinical trials. And that the regulation requires that EU member states approve a study application for the diagnostic prior to initiating the clinical trial of the medicinal product. And this is in addition to other requirements, such as authorization of a clinical trial application for the medicinal product study, and ethics committee approval of the study. Unfortunately, the critical infrastructure and a coordinated approach to authorizing these studies that involve an IVD are not yet available. So as a result, sponsors must submit an application for the diagnostic portion of the study to every member state individually, which is inefficient, time-consuming, and can result in conflicting feedback that then ultimately delays the study start. And, you know, the IVDR envisioned a coordinated review of these applications, whereby sponsors could submit a single application, and then a single member state would coordinate the feedback. However, unfortunately, this process will not be available until 2029. So in the meantime, clinical trial sponsors are facing variable expectations and delays to the approval of clinical studies that involve an IVD. Mm -hmm. Are there any ways to resolve uh, the current impasse or to get trials up and running again? Yeah, great question. So given the trial delays and the impact to patients, many in our industry are calling for a postponement in the application of the IVDR to IVDs that are being used in clinical trials until this necessary infrastructure and the processes and guidance are in place to facilitate an efficient review and authorization of these studies. Additionally, further guidance is needed on common principles for the submission and review of these diagnostic applications, as well as on what in-house tests that are used, you know, in hospitals and laboratories might be exempt from the IVDR requirements. And this is needed to guide both the sponsors that are developing these applications, but also the member states in reviewing them. Such guidance could really help ensure consistency and avoid divergent feedback that can delay study start. We also really need a risk-based approach to studies involving an IVD that is fit for purpose to the use of the IVD in that study. And similarly, we need a process for allowing limited periods of nonconformity, as was just outlined for the MDR. And this would allow time for the appropriate infrastructure and processes to be put in place by all stakeholders. But finally, it would also be helpful to have a voluntary program whereby the member states could pilot the coordinated review of these diagnostic applications. As I mentioned, this will eventually be be required under the legislation anyway in 2029. So piloting the approach now would allow all parties to prepare and could also potentially streamline the review of some applications in the short term. So we obviously hope the authorities will consider the impact the implementation of the IVDR is having on clinical research in Europe. 
and take swift action to adopt these proposals. That's really critically needed at this point to keep clinical trials in Europe. Thank you very much, Megan, for that uh, clear explanation and uh, yeah, the IVDR leading to uh, to the delays in clinical trials and uh, and patient access to clinical trials, resulting in all uh, all the problems uh, from it. Uh, also, yeah, UCOP is looking into uh, doing more on the IVDR side, so I'm happy uh, to work with you uh, in the future as we as we go forward. Thank you very much. Um, so, Axel, going back to the medical device regulations quickly, um, the Commission proposed uh, to amend the transitional provisions of the MDR and also the IVDR in early January this year and was uh, also adopted by, uh, by Parliament uh, and Council. Um, as we know, one of the major issues that stakeholders had with the, with the MDR was that all medical devices should have been recertified by May 2024. Well, that, uh, 2024, sorry. Well, that has changed now, and um, they also decided to delete uh, the sell-off date. Could you elaborate maybe a bit on what the main aim of the regulation is and uh, how the amendments affect the MDR and the IVDR regulatory framework? Thanks very much, Leander. Uh, certainly, and, and let me start with thanking you uh, for having me. It's a real pleasure uh, to be within such a competent uh, group of experts, uh, and we do see that uh, the complexity is, is certainly not decreasing. So clearly, the main aim of, of this piece of regulation is to prevent the imminent risk of shortages of medical devices and the associated risk of a potential public health crisis. And it is uh, this tangible risk um, of a public health crisis, which was addressed by multiple stakeholder groups um, at previous occasions that you mentioned, uh, the EPSO Council, the uh, MDCE uh, interactions, and it also explains the very rapid and unanimous decision-making uh, by European lawmakers, which we uh, at UCOP very uh, much welcome. So it took uh, the European Commission, the Parliament and Council overall only eight weeks to come to a solution in, in, in the so-called accelerated uh, co-decision procedure, uh, which in my view shows that the EU is willing to act if necessary and imminent. Um, and the solution uh, that was proposed and then adapted um, is um, as simple as impactful. So the new resolution, as you said, gives more time to certify so-called legacy medical devices. So what does that mean? Uh, this means that uh, those devices covered by a certificate or a declaration of conformity issued before 26 May 2021 under the uh, respective council directives um, by introducing uh, a staggered attention extension of transition periods into the new Article uh, 120, uh, Para 3 of the Medical Device Regulation, depending on the risk class of the device, um, namely... Uh, the extension, the first extension to the 31st of December 2027 from the current um, deadline, which was the 26th of May 2024 for class 2B implantable devices and class 3 devices, um, except for those who are already subject to an extension, uh, exemption, excuse me, um, as well as um, 31st December 2028 for other class 2A, class 2B, and class 1 devices placed on the market in sterile condition or having a measuring function. And then the proposal also stipulates that class 3 implantable custom-made devices uh, may be placed on the market 
put into service until the 26th of May 2026 uh, without a certificate of a notified body uh, subject to the application by the manufacturer for a conformity assessment prior to 26 May 2024. Um, so you see the dates, various dates to, to be kept in mind. Um, and because the regulation is directly applicable law, notified bodies uh, that were mentioned are not required to change validity dates of the certificates because uh, certificates issued by a notified body in accordance with these directives and where valid are automatically extended by this piece of regulation. Okay. And then um, certificates that expired before the entry into force of the regulation, which is the, the 20th of March, uh, 2023, shall be uh, deemed valid until the new transition dates um, if the manufacturer and notified body have signed a written agreement for the conformity assessment and respect um, of the device covered by the expired certificate or a competent authority of a member state has granted a derogation from the applicable conformity assessment procedure or has required the manufacturer to carry out the applicable conformity assessment procedure. And then last but not least, and I think that was uh, previously mentioned um, by my colleagues and then also you, Leander, the proposal removes the so-called um, sell-off dates, mm -hmm. um, which makes totally sense uh, because it allows then safe and medical devices and in vitro devices that are already placed on the market to remain on the market without restriction. Um, and obviously in the sense and the purpose to prevent unnecessary disposal uh, and exacerbating uh, effectively further shortages uh, or contributing to uh, the risk of, of um, a public health crisis that would mm -hmm. materialize. Well, thanks, Axel, for that great explanation. And uh, indeed, as you mentioned, we now have an extension of the transition period. And also, as you mentioned, uh, the removal of the sell-off date, uh, among other measures. Um, but uh, yeah, now that European lawmakers agreed to, to, to extend the transition period and, and delete the sell-off date, this doesn't really mean that now all challenges regarding the MDR implementations are now resolved, right? So... Um, could you run us through some of the most important conditions set out in this new uh, regulation? Yeah, uh, sure, Leander, you're right. Um, nothing is uh, for free uh, or comes for free in life. So the, the extension of the transition periods um, and deletion of the sell-off periods comes effectively in exchange for manufacturers to meeting certain conditions. And the purpose or the legislative purpose of this is that only those manufacturers shall benefit and be rewarded from the additional time granted uh, to certify their devices who have also taken steps to transition towards compliance uh, with the MDR. And that's also something that we have continuously reinforced uh, with our members uh, that, that compliance or establishing compliance is key. So these uh, five conditions which I mentioned um, are the following. Uh, so first, the devices uh, continue to comply with the directives, um, respectively, uh, into, into which uh, directive the device falls. Secondly, there shall not be any significant changes in the design and intended purpose. This is complex because it practically means a design freeze at the time 
the certificate, the original certificate was granted um, and, and you need to acknowledge it cannot make any material changes. Um, it may slow down uh, progressive innovation of your of your device and it somehow freezes the situation. Um, something uh, manufacturers certainly need to be aware of uh, when when looking at compliance. Then thirdly, the devices do not present an unacceptable risk to the health and safety of patients, users or other persons or to other aspects of the protection of public health. And then uh, essentially compliance provisions. So not later than 26th of May, 2024, the manufacturer has put in place a quality, quality management system uh, in accordance with the MDR. Uh, and no later than the 26th of May 24. So next year, the manufacturers has launched a formal application for conformity assessment for the device in question. And no later than 26th, September 24, the notified body and the manufacturer have signed a written agreement for such conformity assessment. So mm -hmm. a couple of conditions. And I think the bottom line of all of this is that the commission as well as the parliament and the council, so all policymakers want to see tangible and forcible steps towards establishing compliance with the MDR and the IVDR, uh, but at the same time manage the critical balancing act uh, to prevent a public health crisis and to ensure continued and immediate access to life-saving medical devices. Uh, we, we look at broad indications such as cancer and, and other indications mm -hmm. where it is most relevant And this is also why this regulation um, and, and it's coming into effect is to be seen in the context of, of these exceptional circumstances. Uh, and as mentioned by, by Jörg, also in the context of ongoing discussions and interactions in the framework of the NDCG, so the Medical Device mm -hmm. Coordination Group, uh, and other supporting non-legislative measures, which UCOP is um, supporting on an ongoing basis in that forum. Um, so this is this is essentially it. A short, short piece of legislation, but but an impactful one um, on the one hand side. But definitely, we need to stress uh, you need to make steps uh, towards establishing compliance uh, mm -hmm. with the MDR to be rewarded. Okay, mm -hmm. Axel, just very quickly on that, I, I rechecked my calendar. The next MDCG meeting is on the 17th, not the 14th. So not that you show up on the wrong date. Just <laughs> just to mention that quickly. Okay. 17th of April. Yes. We'll, we'll, we'll be there. <laughs> Great. So no, thank you, Axel, for the clear and uh, elaborative uh, explanation. And um, yeah, I think also from UCOP's side uh, regarding MDR, I think we shouldn't lose uh, a sense of urgency to, to implement the MDR provisions indeed. I think uh, we have indeed extension now. Uh, but in the end, MDR and also IVDR has to be implemented. Um, and especially regarding MDR, I think we uh, we should keep moving forward uh, with a sense of of, uh, of urgency and don't uh, let our foot slip off the gas. And uh, Jörg, I want to go quickly to you. Any ideas? I would like to quickly give you uh, the chance to uh, to reflect on some of the, the new uh, amendments Axel just mentioned. Well, I do think, um, and I agree with Axel, that it's uh, quite impressive once uh, it is finally generally accepted that we are in a particular um, tricky situation and there, there's, there's a risk of um, supply to patient with the, the, the products they need, um, that um, the legislator, the, the commission, the council and the parliament acted together and passed this piece of, of legislation, which I think um, in a 
quite pragmatic and, and hopefully workable way addresses the major issues. But we have to keep in mind that uh, doesn't mean that people can, that anyone in any stakeholder can take the foot off the gas. It's important that we continue to um, move towards the MDR and get the product certified. Um, and together with these legislative and non-legislative measures, which we mentioned in this podcast, those combined hopefully will help us to, to achieve that goal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Jörg. And Megan, is there anything you would like to add uh, on your side as a final food for thought? Yeah, I guess just that I think we have made some progress on the MDR for sure in um, alleviating some of the pain points. Although, as Axel and Jörg mentioned, there's still a long way to go. Mm -hmm. I think we are in early days and have not alleviated some of the pain points on the IVDR as much as is needed to advance clinical research and clinical trials in Europe. So I think we need to do a lot of work there to try to make sure for patients that we maintain their access to clinical research in Europe and to innovative therapies, to especially for cancer and rare diseases. Yeah, because we have to remember that when patients are looking to join a clinical trial, it's usually because they have no other options available to them or they've exhausted all available therapeutic options. So we really need to do a lot of work here to put patients first and make sure that they don't lose access to what might be their their last and only option. Thank you very much, Megan. And uh, yeah, as we're closing, uh, as we're closing, I would like to to quickly mention that recently, UCOP has uh, conducted several initiatives related to medical devices and uh, in vitro diagnostics. So, if you are a medtech company looking to to have your voice heard in the early stages of uh, of policy making and legislative procedures, uh, and would like to contribute more, then uh, then please uh, reach out to us. Uh, that's it for uh, this episode of Sounds of Science, uh, the podcast that keeps you acquainted with, uh, with the most pressing policy files and news in the world of uh, European life sciences. I would really like to uh, thank my guests. Thank you very much for your wonderful uh, contributions. Uh, and um, yeah, catch you on the next one. We are thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. One, we are UCOP, the European trade body for small to medium-sized innovative companies working in the field of health technologies. You can stay up to date with our work by engaging with us on Twitter and LinkedIn or visiting our website at www.ucope.org. Have a nice one, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.